0: In our present, in our past, and in our future. And so, for that reason, we can rejoice as His children, knowing that we are covered uh, at all times by the greatness of our magnificent and awesome God. It is good to be here tonight to uh, see you present, as well as those who are online. We thank you for being here with us tonight and worshiping with us. Uh, We're going to continue our study on the Sabbath, we're on the last uh, part of that lesson, and we want to wrap it up with what God has in store for his children, which is really exciting uh, when we leave this earth. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the greatness of your name, and for allowing us to know you, and better yet, for you to know us. Thank you for your mercy and for your care. Thanking you for Jesus Christ, your darling son, in whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. Thanking you for this moment, Lord God, this opportunity to worship you. Please help our minds to be focused, to remain true to you in all things, to clear our mind and our hearts of worldly thought. Thank you for, again, this opportunity to praise you and to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray and give thee thanks, be thy will. Amen. We're going to run right over to 2nd Chronicles chapter 31, and uh, look at verses 2 and verse 3 because it's important. This is really important when you're studying with someone to help them to see that the Sabbath was celebrated in conjunction with the sacrifices, the sacrificial system, and the law of Moses all joined together. And the law of Moses and the law of God are one in the same. So, this is very important when you're having a study. With someone who's trying to understand, uh, why they should leave the Sabbath, if you will, Old Testament living and move to the New Testament and, uh, no longer practice the Sabbath. So, 2 Chronicles 31 verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites by their divisions, each according to his service, both the priests and the Levites, four burnt offerings and four Peace offerings to minister and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. He also appointed the king's portion of his goods for the burnt offerings, namely for the morning and evening burnt offerings and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths and for the new moons and for the fixed festivals as it is written in the law of the Lord. And so the burnt offerings For the Sabbath. That's really important, okay? Uh, Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. That's really important because what happens is people, in order to celebrate or follow the Sabbath, a person has to separate out the offerings, the sacrificial ceremonial laws, if you will, from the actual Sabbath day. And well, you can't do that based on the Bible. And so that scripture is very powerful and very important to help uh, those who are kind of stuck in that area with the Sabbath uh, to understand it with more accuracy and clarity. The law of Moses and the Ten Commandments and all of that, you know, the over 600 commandments, right, are nothing more than a shadow of the good things, a shadow of what, of what is to come. So in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, let no one act as your judge in regards of food or drink or in respect, to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So you could either be in the shadow or you can have the real, the true, the substance of Christ, right? Turn to Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter eight. This is really important because um, you're looking at a challenge here. It's a challenge scripture. Do you would like to remain in the shadow or do you want the real thing? A shadow is not the real thing. It's not the actual individual or uh, a thing of which it is uh, mimicking or mirroring. Instead, it's a shadow, right? You don't have to be afraid of shadows. Uh, The shadow is not what we follow. We follow Jesus Christ. Verse 3, Hebrews chapter 8. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, hence it is necessary that the high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, He would not be a priest at all, speaking of Jesus, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle for see, He says that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Again, this is nothing more than a shadow. The Old Testament is a shadow. It's not the reality. Hebrews 10 and verse 1. The Bible says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually make perfect those who draw near. So again, it is a shadow. Right? Now this shadow, the law of Moses, was meant to serve a purpose, and then it was meant to go away. Right, It was meant to go away, but... Going away meaning being replaced by something that was better than it. And we're going to look at that really carefully in this lesson uh, uh, here, that there's something that's way better than the law of Moses. If you were to talk to uh, Jews today, let's turn, please, to Galatians chapter uh, 3. And you say to them, you know, God, though he planned the law of Moses perfectly, uh, God had within that plan a perfect plan that would overshadow this plan So much so to where it would make the law of Moses seem like nothing. You would offend them. But that's exactly what the word of God says. We'll get to that in just a moment. Galatians 3 and verse 19. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through an angel, excuse me, through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. Until the seed should come. So when the seed comes, guess what? The law is no longer necessary. Verse 16, the seed is Jesus. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. So the Bible is making it clear that everything in the Old Testament pointed to the seed. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Right? Everything. Turn to Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews, chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 6. Verse 6 through 10. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come And the roll of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, Thou hast not desired, nor hast thou taken pleasure in it, in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do thy will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The sanctification does not come Under the law. Sanctification comes through Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. There the Bible says, Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Hence, it is necessary that the high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law. So Jesus could not be a high priest based on the law. He's from the tribe of Judah. Right, He could not be. There's no way possible that Jesus Christ could be a high priest according to the law. But what God has done is fulfilled the law. For the law brings us to Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I want to look at Second Corinthians chapter 3. Let's think about this for just a moment and investigate this thought. The Old Testament law, that letter kills. But the New Testament law in Jesus Christ brings life. The Old Testament law, the law of Moses, the law of God kills. The law of Christ brings life. Well, let's get some Bible on that, right? Verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says, And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how should the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? So here's this. Comparative text that is saying, okay, there's glory under the law of Moses. He was, Hebrews 3 tells us, he was a son in the house. Jesus was a son over the house. When you take, and when you compare the two and you say that Jesus Christ is a son over the house, uh, it has way more glory than the son that's inside of the house, right? And so the comparative text is going to tell us that the law of Christ and the glory of Christ exceeds the law of Moses and the glory of Moses in a way that is incomparable, okay? Let's go back and look at the fading. Exodus uh, chapter 34, the fading away, if you will, that God put into place long, long ago so that Israel would understand that the law of Moses is fading away for the law of Christ is coming to pass. And so Moses would go on top of the mountain and speak with God and look at what the Bible says happens to Moses' face. Verse 27, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water, and he wrote on the tables or the tablets the words of the commandment, the Ten Commandments. And it came about when Moses was coming down from the Mount Sinai. And the two tab- tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain. And Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them. And Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. And afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke with the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. Now God planned this long ago so that when you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and you start reading about verse 8, you understand what that veil really actually does. So verse 8, of second Corinthians chapter 3 How shall the ministry of the spirit fail to be even more with glory for if the ministry of condemnation has glory much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory for indeed what had glory in the case, this case has no glory on account of the glory that surpasses it for if that which fades away was with glory much more that which remains in glory. So he's saying, the law of Christ, the law of God, far exceeds the law of Moses. The law of Moses faded, right? The power of Moses, his face, would fade away. when they could see the veil placed over his face, and it would fade away. And then he'd come back to being normal again. But the law of Christ never fades away. And that's the point that God is trying to bring to us. Turn to John chapter 1 and verse 15. The fact that the law of Christ will never, ever fade away. It will be here forever and meet us on the day of judgment. In verse 15 of John chapter 1, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he explained him. And so here, very clearly, the Scriptures are telling us, very clearly, that grace and truth is realized through Jesus Christ. You have no Jesus Christ. You have no grace and truth. Without grace and truth, nobody's saved. Without grace and mercy, no one is saved. So God says the law of Christ exceeds the law of Moses in such a way that we really couldn't even explain it. Other than heaven came down, the Son of God came down and dwelt among us. Not a son in the house, but a son who's over the house. Not a shadow of the good things to come. The good things to come have come. So to live in the shadows is not what God asks us to do. Hebrews, please, chapter chapter 4. There is a Sabbath that remains. And that Sabbath is not is not like the Sabbath of the Old Testament. That Sabbath that remains is very different. It's very critical. It's very crucial. It is not only commanded, it's prepared, it's ready for the children of God. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 4 in this the close of this lesson to realize the promise that God has for His children. In verse 1, Therefore let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to come short of it. Notice the difference. The Old Testament law, the Sabbath was a commandment to be kept. Right? A commandment to be kept. Anyone that violated the Sabbath will receive punishment. But the Sabbath for the Christian is a promise. Very different. Right? It's a promise to be given or to be received, the Old Testament Sabbath was a commandment that had to be kept. Now, God explains to us that He's not speaking of a commandment. He's speaking to the children of a promise. Verse 9. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, this rest for the people of God is a unique rest. It's just as unique as, as the rest that God had in the days of creation. On day seven, the Bible says that God rested from all of his work. Now, look at verse four of Hebrews uh, chapter four. For he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Notice what he says. Is is important. The seventh day. That's the Sabbath. Okay? Hebrews 4 mentions the Sabbath day, the seventh day. That's so important when you're studying with someone who believes you ought to keep the, the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Because we not only learn that this Sabbath is a promise, but we also learn this. That he mentions the seventh day or the Sabbath day in Hebrews. And then when you jump all the way down to verse 8, it says, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. If it's another day, it can't be Saturday. So the Christian rest is not a Sabbath day rest. It is not a Saturday. It is another day that is designated by God and by God alone. That's important. As we enter into this promised rest, we do something that those who practice the Sabbath day weren't able to do. You see, because on the Sabbath day as it came along on Saturday, they, they did the you know, kept the commandments and from six to six, and then after the Sabbath was over, they went back to work. But not God's people. The rest that God has promised is a rest to rest like God rested. And the way God rested was, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And he rested on the seventh day and never went back to work again. Look at the text. Verse 8, please, again. Verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have spoken of another. He would not, excuse me, have spoken of another day after that. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall through following the uh, same example of disobedience. We rest as God rested. No more work. Do we have Bible on that? Of course we do. The promise, right? It's all about the promises of God. Revelation chapter 14 and the verse 13, the Bible speaks of our rest. And the Bible there says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. From now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. And so here is this great rest of God, and our deeds follow. Our deeds follow. But we rest and we never have to work again. Don't you want to go to heaven? I mean think about that. I'll cut my grass one too many times. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Get to go to heaven and never have to work again. Oh, I can't wait to get there. Brethren, hold on to the Lord Stay true, stay faithful, and realize the promises of God are not only grand, blessed, and beautiful, they are for us. Don't throw away your crown. Don't throw away your golden ticket that God has given you, your blessing, your past, that grace and that mercy. Don't throw it away. Surrender tonight to Jesus in the waters of baptism. If you have not surrendered yet, we offer you that opportunity to come and have your sins washed away forevermore if you'll surrender to Jesus in the waters of baptism. If tonight you need repentance, we pray, God, you will do that tonight. Tonight is the the night. Today is the day. Salvation is before us. We praise God and thank you for your time this evening. God bless each and every one of you.